Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Would you guys have a seat? As you're sitting, I, I want you to go ahead and get your Bibles out, get some notes out, because I'm ready to dive right into God's Word. We're going to have some more worship and some other stuff in a little bit. And those who come in late will have no clue what's going on, and that's all right. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed this. I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed this. To, uh, to find Judges chapter 7. Bibles. Judges chapter 7, verse 1. We'll go there here in just a few minutes. Um, I, I don't want to ask you a, a question. Have you, have you seen or have you experienced like a depletion in assets potentially? Have you seen that, that you know, what, what was there or what was once there is not there now and you're, you're saying, what, what do I do? How, how do I respond? Um, what should my mindset be? What, what does it mean for me? I mean, a, a big question that I hear a lot of times is, if there's a reduction in assets, does that mean God's mad at you? Does that mean you are under God's judgment or something like that? I, I, I hear that a lot. Or could it be that a reduction in assets is actually a prep for God to work a miracle for you? He might be positioning you for a miracle. And so I ask you to open your heart for that today. Now, we're in a little series that I'm calling The Occupy Spirit. And Occupy is our theme for this year. And, and so I'm challenging every one of you to embrace this Occupy Spirit, knowing that your life counts, you're here for a reason, and there is purpose for you, and God has His hand on you. And I want you to receive that. You're born for this moment. You are. See, Jesus, when he left this earth, he left the believers. He left us in charge of this world. And, and, he, uh, and, and see, he's off preparing a place for us in eternity. But while we're here, he gave us these, this command. He said, occupy till I come. Occupy. That word occupy, uh, I, I want to give you our working definition for it again. And, and it's a... It's, it's a very simple definition. It might be different than what you think it is, but this is what it means biblically. It means to do business and grow the investment God gave you. And really simplifying it even more is work until Jesus returns. Work for him until Jesus returns. It doesn't mean to sit and take up space or do nothing. It means to be active, to occupy. And the truth is you will be rewarded in eternity according to the degree that you occupied in this life how you did, did business and how you served Jesus and worked for Jesus and how you utilized the anointing of God on your life, the gifts that, that God has given you and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, in this series, we're looking at one man in particular. His name is Gideon. And from his story, we get a lot of encouragement on how we actually occupy and how we work and do, do business for Jesus. So before we get into the 
the, uh, the text today. I just want to give you a brief little recap in case you're not familiar with the story of Gideon. You've missed the first three messages in this series. Uh, in Judges chapter 6, that's a, the chapter before what we're looking at today. Uh, Judges chapter 6, you see that, that Israel, God's people, were on this, under this extreme oppression from Midian, and they were stealing their crops. They were stealing their livestock. They would come in once a year and just do a sweep of the land, and they, they would ravage the land. And if you're familiar with world history, you know that the Soviet Union did this in Ukraine uh, back in the 1930s. They would just go in and ravage that land. Uh, Ukraine is considered the breadbasket of, of Europe, and it's just incredible. But, the, but thousands, millions actually starved to death and lost their lives during that time because the, another nation came in and took all their crops and took everything away from them. That same thing was happening in Israel and had been happening for years. And so there was a manufactured famine that had happened there in the land of Israel. So, so what happened is God then visited a man by the name of Gideon. God visited Gideon and God... Uh, God, God spoke to Gideon and gave him a commission, gave him an order, gave him directives to go ahead and move out and to basically to occupy, to do this work for him. And he was the most unlikely candidate by far, but, but God said he was with him. And God said, I want you to go and I want you to save Israel. I want you to do this. So he tore down some idols and the people of the town didn't like that because the idols he tore down, one of them was called Baal, and that really made them mad. Now, Baal is kind of like a, 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 a good way of just saying the devil, Satan. Okay, there, so it, was, it was demonic, deeply demonic. And, uh, and in one place in, uh, in Joshua chapter number six, we see that it says this in verse 32, it says, because Gideon broke down Baal's armor, excuse me, altar, they gave him, Gideon, the name Jerob Baal that day, saying, let Baal contend with him. Basically, if someone were to give, uh, that, that name was, would basically meant, may Satan contend with you. That's the name they gave him. So, so can you imagine this, uh, which, is, which happens a lot of times when you're out doing God's work. There's a pushback. The enemy will, will even assign names to you and mock you. I mean, how would you like for someone to assign the name to you? Okay, may Satan deal with you. Hey, hey, may Satan deal with you. How are you doing? That's what they named Gideon. And it was un just unbelievable, unbelievable. Well, uh, this, this was all going on. And, and in the midst of this, Gideon asked for three different signs. He asked God at one point, he said, I want you to, uh, I've got this offering. I have this sacrifice for you. And I want you to just, you know, I need a sign that this is real. So will you consume the sacrifice? And God touched it and I mean, it consumed it. Later on, he needed another sign, and so he put out this, this wool fleece uh, out at night, and he said, God, if you're really with me in this, I want you to make this fleece wet and the ground dry. Got up the next morning, the fleece was soaked, <laughs> and the ground was dry. And then he did it again, because God, whoa, whoa, one more time, one more time. I just need one more sign. Let's just do the opposite. Make the ground soaking wet, and there's nothing on the fleece, which is even a bigger miracle, and so God did that. At this point, Gideon said, okay, God's with me. I'm, I'm going to move forward. And, and, you know, last week we talked about that, about the importance of, you know, when, it, when you should look for a sign or when not to. I uh, talked about the importance of getting confirmations from godly people. But today we're moving into Judges chapter 7. And based upon what you just saw, when I, I said some words a few minutes ago, I said, we have too many. Did you, you remember me saying that? And I asked the band just to leave. It just get off the platform. No, nobody was in trouble. You guys know you weren't in trouble, right? You, you, you know, we still like you and everything. But you, I said, we have too many. And that is 
actually like the title of today's message. And this comes directly from our text. You have too many. You have too many. This morning, we trimmed back everything on the platform. And, and it, was, it was to embrace some simplicity to allow God to do even more. And I think it's okay to do that from time to time. Is that all right? Is that all right with you? It's to embrace simplicity just to allow God to do something more. The truth is, what we did here, I mean, we don't need a full band. We, we don't. I, I'll tell you, I like a full band. <laughs> I really, really like a full band. But we don't need it all the time. And sometimes God wants to do something through simplicity. And that's what we're talking about today. And this time, today, you're going to see how God doesn't even need a full army to accomplish what he needs to accomplish. And this, this whole attitude of simplicity and, and, and just responding to God, understanding that sometimes God will uh, allow assets to be reduced, or God, God, how much he likes simplicity. I want to take a look at, a, at another man who's a man in recent United States history who, who really embraced this whole concept of simplicity and just stepped out to do what God had told him to do. Uh, 64 years ago this week, a man by the name of David Wilkerson on uh, February 9th, 1958, he was in prayer, and he opened up Life magazine while he was praying. <laughs> Have you ever been like that? You're praying, and you get distracted with something? That was actually happening to him. He got distracted, opened up Life magazine, and he saw this article. He saw these, these pictures, and something just riveted deep inside of him, and, and, and he made a decision that literally changed the world based upon that moment right there. As he was in prayer, and he saw this, he saw this picture of these seven gang members, and they were on trial in New York City for the brutal murder of a 15-year-old polio victim. And uh, his soul, David's soul, just went into turmoil when he saw this. And, and, and the Holy Spirit just came over him in the simplicity of that moment. And, 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 and he felt the Holy Spirit say four simple words to him. Four simple words to him. And those words were this, go help those boys. Go help those boys. Well, he, he didn't live in New York. He knew nothing about it. He had never been to New York before. So what he did is... He obeyed God. There he was, thinking, okay, God, I, I, this has to be you. I hope this is you. And so he goes out. He finds himself into New York, finds all, goes all the way to the courtroom. And this is three days later. He's showing up at the courtroom, and he goes into the courtroom, and they literally kick him out of the courthouse. And, and as he's being kicked out of the courthouse, a, uh, a, uh, a photographer, a journalist, took this picture of him. And he was armed with one thing. He was just armed with a Bible. And, and, be, and that began some, a little bit of, of interest about who's this strange guy coming with a Bible into this to, to, to encourage these, these murderers. Well, he stayed there in town, and uh, that was back before smartphones. It was back before the Internet. They didn't have Google. They didn't even have DuckDuckGo. They had nothing. They, there was no way of finding out what was, what was really going on, how, how he could locate these men. And, and through just a, a sequence of events, he ended up meeting and coming face-to-face -face with a man there in New York by the name of Nicky Cruz. And uh, Nicky Cruz was the leader of the uh, probably the, not probably, but definitely in New York, the wildest and most dangerous gangs called Mau Mau. And they were horrendous murderers, is really what they were. And he went up to, to Nicky Cruz, and Nicky was holding a switchblade in his hand. 
angry at the preacher, angry at him. This guy was a pastor and just angry at him. And he says, I'm going to kill you. And, and David said these words. These words just came up out of his heart. He wasn't prepared for the moment, but God prepares us for the moment. God speaks through us. You know, God says, you know, whenever you, you find yourself in an awkward situation, or basically that's what it says, uh, I, I, don't, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll speak through you. And he said these words, which, are, uh, which have, have been actually very, very famous words started this whole movement. And he said to Nikki, he said, you could cut me into a thousand pieces, but every piece of me will cry out that God loves you. Well, he didn't get murdered that day, and Nikki Cruz came to Jesus. The, the whole book is, the whole story is in this book called The Cross and the Switchblade, an incredible, incredible book. But 11 years ago, uh, Nikki Cruz spoke at David Wilkerson's funeral, and he said these words. He says, I've come to say goodbye to my spiritual father. I've told people for years that if it weren't for David Wilkerson, I'd be in the pit of hell today. His book, The Cross and the Switchblade, has sold over 50 million copies and, uh, and, and became a catalyst for incredible things happening for God around the world. One of them is the charismatic renewal in the Catholic Church started really as a result of, this, of that book. And Wilkerson started a new organization called Teen Life Challenge, known as Life Challenge and Teen Challenge today. And Teen Life Challenge, I just want you to understand this, today, still today, they reach about, every single day, about 24,000 people are being set free from their addictions at, a, uh, at approximately 1,000 locations across 80 different nations. It is known as the most effective uh, program to get people off of addictions that's in the world, by far greater than any government program or anything else. That's the power of God. And it's going on after David's life is over. And, uh, but but what, what David did is he stepped out Will, really with, with, with reduced assets. He simply had one thing in his heart, and that was the power of God, and God worked miracles. Judges chapter 7, verse 1. Let's take a look at today's passage. Because it kind of reminds me of Gideon. It says, early in the morning, early in the morning, Jeroboam, which means may Satan contend with him, let's just call it that way, that is Gideon, and all his men... They camped at the, at the spring of Herod. So this is basically 32,000 men, a, a lot of people. Basically every town in northern, uh, Eng, uh, northern Israel had sent their people out there. Any able-bodied man that was there, they, they came out to that location. It says the camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. Now, again, Midian, they were, they were grouping themselves to plan to come in and invade Israel again. They're going to ravage and steal the crops like they had done the previous 10 years to, con to uh, really continue this forced famine. But uh, Israel, under Gideon, at the same time, just a few miles away, is prepping this massive army of 32,000 people that's going to come and deal with these intruders, all right? So here we go. <laughs> now, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many. Thus, the title of today's message. In other words, you have too many resources. You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian. Did you hear, see that? I cannot. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. Saying this, like, my own strength has saved me. So, so that's, those are strong words. God's saying he cannot because 
people are going to get the credit instead of God. Now, it's not like God has this huge ego and wants all of this attention just to make himself feel good. No, what God wants to do, God wants to see that his power is work. He wants people to see only God could make this happen. So God wants uh, the praise and the honor to go to him so that they will turn away from their foolish, ridiculous, stupid idolatry and begin serving God. That's the point of it. If it was just a good, strong army that delivered them, they'll say, well, look, see, Baal did it. No, he wants it to be clear, God did this. Now, verse 3, verse 3. Now, he says, announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. Mount Gilead is kind of the the area, the region that they were in. So 22,000 men left because they were scared. And 10,000 men remain. So two-thirds of the fighting men literally went home. And according to Judges chapter 6, which we read earlier, the Midianite army was of such a vast number that nobody could even number them. They don't even know how many there are. There's just too many to number. Well, they can count themselves 32,000. They're thinking, okay, can we do this? And now just 22,000 walks out the door. Here's those armies down to 10,000 now. Do you get this? All right. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. (laughs) Now, now, at this point, Gideon's saying, I sure am glad I did these tests to make sure this was really God because this is getting crazy here. He says, take them down to the water, and look at this. I will thin them out for you there. Now, now think about this. If you're going to win a war, numbers matter, especially in those days. They didn't have smart bombs. They didn't have any missiles. They didn't have uh, airstrikes. It was just people. Two-thirds of the army is gone. 23,000 men went back home, and now, poof, I mean, they're, they're gone, and now they're scaled way, way back to about a third. And now God's saying, I want you to have less assets to win this war. Your, your, your assets are going to be reduced even more, and I'm going to just do it for you. I'm going I'm to do it for you this time. So God is asking for some, uh, quite frankly, it's just like r- ridiculous <laughs> um, obedience. And God said this. He says, God says, if I say... This one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. Please understand, at this point, Gideon still has no idea what's going on, nor do the men. And, he's, he, and God is going to choose the fighting men out of this group. Gideon's in total obedience. The army doesn't know what they're doing. They're just going to go stand by the water, keep on looking. Says, now they, so they get to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. So that was, so they were going to get drinks from this water, and however they did their drinking, that's how it was going to happen. Now, again, this is a very, very weird request, uh, and, and so it's, it's according to, like, how they drink. They're going to be separated, and, and, and still... So obviously they separate them into these two groups and Gideon still really doesn't know what's going on. He's just obeying God. So it says 300 of them drank from cupped hands. So they scooped up the water and they did this. They drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. So they were down on their knees, down on their face, you know, just, just sticking their, their faces in the water. Now, I just want to pause here for just a second. A lot of people read a lot into this and try to turn this into a parable. This is not a parable. This is an actual, true, real story right here. And so uh, I know a lot of people will say, well, the ones who were up, you know, God chose them because they, they, they put their hands up and they 
could look while they were drinking. So God only likes people who look. I've heard entire sermons on that, and that's actually not in the scriptures. So when you hear that, that's not there. It's, it makes for a nice story, but it's not in the Bible. So I mean, I'm not going there. Is that okay? I've heard that sermon at least 20 times. I heard another sermon, too. Oh, and this is funny. Another time I heard that God only cho- God did not want the people that lapped like dogs. And I was looking in the Bible going, actually, that's not what it says. It says the opposite. And the whole sermon was, when you act like a dog, God's not going to use you. And, and I'm like, no, that's not in the Bible. Okay, people take ridiculous stuff from this passage. Okay, so are we going to take ridiculous stuff from it? No. We're going to take what the Bible, and let me just pause here for a second. That's why I ask you to open your Bibles. Because if I'm teaching you something that's wrong, you have an obligation to come to me later and say, Pastor Tim, you must stop. And I have people do it to me from time to time, and I'm grateful for it. Okay, so we we do that around here. Is that all right? All right, good. So, Okay, so, so now they're separated into, into two groups based upon, you know, one has 300, and, and then this other one has, what would it be, uh, 9,900, 9, 9,600, whatever, uh, men. So he looked at the, the groups, and so Gideon's going, okay, so we're going to have 300 less. These are going to be the guys, but look. <laughs> look at God's plan. So the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let the others go home. So 3% is left over from the 10,000. And I did a little bit of math here. And, and you know, so if you look at the original 30, uh, 32,000 down to a 300-person army, that is less than 1% of its original strength, less than 1% of the original assets, a 99% reduction in men, a 99% reduction in assets. That doesn't look very pretty, does it? So Gideonite, Gideon, Gideon obeyed. There were no Gideonites. Those are Midianites. But so Gideon, he sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. I, just pause there for a second. I want you to think. What in the world do you think this army was, was contemplating at that time? Now, Gideon, he had had encounters with God. This army didn't have any encounters with God. They were just drinking water and walking out there going, okay, we, we want to be a part of this, this thing that, that, that we're going to do. We don't like the Midianites. They hadn't had a fleece encounter with God. God didn't like poof and turn their sacrifice, you know, burn it up in a sacrifice. They had not visited with God face to face. God wasn't speaking or revealing anything to them. They were just volunteering to help out the nation. And all of a sudden, the crazy man who has these encounters with God is all of a sudden all the, the assets are reduced. Everything's going crazy. So if you were one of those men, I don't know what you would be thinking, but I would be going, I really hope this guy knows what he's doing. I am out on a limb here. I, I'm, I, I committed myself to this, but wow, <laughs> this is crazy. And, and please understand, it wasn't like these were some special forces dudes. These were not the Green Beret. They weren't Navy SEALs. There were farmers with pitchforks, okay? And they hadn't even invented pitchforks yet. So that, that's what it was like. Green Acres, you know, do you, if you remember, okay, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of like what it was. So God, perp- I want you to get this though, God purposely reduced Gideon's assets to accomplish his will. It was God's strategy. And God's strategies, hear me well, 
they do not always make sense to us. We can't always figure it out. His ways are not like our ways. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. And, and, and just to let you know, we're not going to get into it today, but you, can, you are allowed to read ahead. I mean, Gideon actually, his, he and his army end up winning this incredible uh, uh, battle and, and deals with it you know, through the power of God. We'll get into that later. But, but here, I want you to understand this. God wants to do things on your behalf that will be very obvious miracles so you don't get the credit. So people will look at your situation and say, how in the world did that happen? And you'll say, well, trust me, it was God. Because you've got to look at me. I, it, it didn't happen through me. It didn't happen this way. God used it. And, and understand this, sometimes God's going to reduce your assets to fortify your faith. I believe that happens sometimes. See, and, and sometimes God will take you through waves of that. Why? It's because the stronger the faith you have, the greater the miracles God will be able to do. I'll say that again. The stronger the faith you have, the greater the miracles God will be able to do through you. Because if you had everything, if everything was perfect, you wouldn't need faith. In fact, I have people say, I don't need God because I have everything right here in front of me. My life is good. See, but sometimes God says, I want to remove some of those assets so you will have to lean into me, so you will need me. Regardless of what's going on in your personal life right now, because I don't, I don't know the details, I want you to know this. God is using that situation, and if, and if you're feeling like things are getting scaled back for you, please know that God is using it to build you up for his purpose, even though it's not comfortable in the moment. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is good. Every believer should have this memorized. Here it is. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Leave that up for a second. I like it because, first of all, it says in all things, all things, all things. All means all. It's profound, but it does. All means all. So in all things, God is working. God works for the good of those. That's for you. It might be for you. You have to meet these two criteria. Look at it. Let's, let's look at this with intelligent minds. It says of those who love him. That's a criteria right there. For those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose, which those are called to occupy, to do the work of God. So when you're doing the work of God and you're loving God, things in your life that are happening around you, even though they might not look good, are part of God's purpose, and it's actually going to turn out for your good. So just to answer your question, just because... The assets might not be there doesn't mean that God's angry at you or he's punishing you. Hear me well. Reduction of assets do not equal punishment from God. So just, just, just stop asking if God is punishing you. Just, just stop asking that. Now, if there's sin, well, address it. Because that can cause those things. But if there's sin, address it, get it out of your life, remove it, and then get on with asking God for a miracle. Just start moving forward. Get your feet up, stop whining, and use whatever is happening in your life to build your faith for miracles. Because the truth is, God knows this, assets can get in the way. 
assets can get in the way. In fact, it's interesting because uh, way back, I think it was, uh, it was back in August, I had sent this out to our elders and asked them to give me commentary. And one of the elders actually gave me that exact line. So they're, they're writing portions of this sermon. But assets can get in the way. Too much can bog you down. I mean, really, if, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you start watching the ministry of Jesus and what he was saying, many times on several different occasions and in several different ways, Jesus communicated to his followers about the, the stress of managing a lot of assets. It's going to be a burden on you. And, and, and those of you who have to manage a lot of assets, you understand the burden. Uh, like me, if you're a small business leader, you definitely understand the burden. You don't have the 40-hour work week. You have the 80-hour work week if you're lucky. So, so that, those, are, those are things like that. But Jesus is saying, you know, when you've got a lot of those assets there, the stress of managing it can get in the way of God. And also, the other part of that, the flip side of that, is leaning into those assets and relying on those assets to pull you through each and everything in life means that you don't need faith. So assets can actually become your God. There is a balance there. For everybody, that balance is a little bit different. But bottom line, assets can't get in the way. But reduced assets definitely means this, regardless of the purpose. Reduced assets means this. You will have greater trust for victory. You'll have greater trust in God for victory, not trust in anything. You're going to have greater trust in God. God wants you to have victory in your life. He, he refused to let Gideon have this cushion of these 32,000 men and this massive army. So he took him down to less than the bare essentials of 300 men. And they knew, at that point, they knew they had to rely on God for victory. Otherwise, they were going out into a suicide mission, and it would be horrible. But that's, again, the same strategy God uses with us from time to time. So he does it so we can ratchet up our faith so that we can have victory as well. But the victory is going to come through Jesus. Some of you, you've got some cushions. We all, we all do. Cushions that offer a lot of comfort. Maybe some resources and some assets. And the, but that, that could be anything. It could be finances. It can be uh, relationships. It can be uh, property or position or, or, or status. It could be any of those things that are there that, that help to kind of cushion you. But what happens when God just yanks it all out of the way? Are you going to crumble? You'll feel the pain of it, but are you going to crumble? I hope not. What God wants you to do is to ratchet up your faith and expect a massive miracle that only God can pull off. It's because God tends to come through for people when they're at the end of their rope. That tends to be when God comes through. I was looking uh, at the story of the disciples. I'm reading through the Gospels right now, and it was interesting because Jesus' 12 disciples, they allowed their assets to be reduced. In fact, they left jobs. They left family relationships to serve the ministry of Jesus. They, they basically left everything, but they ended up changing the world. And they were also very, very blessed. What they did is these people stepped out, the 12 disciples, they occupied by faith, and they were rewarded. In fact, I want you to look at Luke 18. This sits up on the, on the uh, screens, Luke 18, 28. It says, Peter said to him, he's talking to Jesus, and he's in front of all the disciples right there. Jesus said to, uh, Peter said to him, we have left all, all we had to follow you. 
Jesus responds, truly I tell you, look at this, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age, means even in your own lifetime, and in the age to come, eternal life. Sometimes, and it's, this is not a thing of go leave your family. That's not what, what he's trying to say here at all. But what he's saying is here is when you've made choices in your life or when, when, the, the, when you've had to see a reduction in assets, that doesn't mean that God's angry at you, that God's leaving you behind. No, actually, when you're doing this for the cause of Christ, God is going to repay you in this life as well as in eternity. That goes all the way back to the Occupy principle working for Jesus, who are pressing through for the Lord, who are doing things for God. God says, I'm going to reward you not only in this lifetime, but in eternity as well. And I want to pray for you for increased faith. Here in just a few moments, we're going to have communion, and we're going to do just a little bit more worship. It's going to be a very different wrap-up. I don't want anybody to leave just because I'm finished preaching. Please understand the service is not over. We messed up this whole service agenda just to, just to confuse everybody. So, <laughs> so that your minds will be sharp. I, mean, I, I don't even know what's next. But, but we're doing this so that we can fully engage. And, and I, want to, I want you to hear me, guys. If you feel like your assets have been reduced down to nothing, what might God be doing in you? What might God be really, really doing in you? Instead of looking at the problem, get your eyes on Jesus. I love what's happening here because Gideon, he just starts listening to the Lord at this point. Okay, whatever, God, whatever, God, none of this makes any sense. I'm sure he's thinking that, but whatever, God, because all I've got is you. I need you. I need you. Gideon alone by himself gets up and says, okay, let's put together an army. 32,000 people show up, and God then says, okay, that was nice. Now let's try 300. Some of you said, yeah, that sounds exactly like what's been happening. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you, and I want you to receive right now. I want you to receive. I want you to receive. In fact, we just stand all across this room. Lord, I pray for a release of faith in this room right now. A release of faith to believe for miracles. That regardless of what's happened with reduction of assets, regardless of what's happened that has been frustrating and has, has just, has, God, we, we're making the choice now to stop looking and focusing on the problem. And if there's a problem in our lives, we choose, we're going to choose to make the difference, make the change in our lives as well. But God, we're going to lean into you. We're going to rely on you. And God, I pray that the miraculous will begin to happen. God, I pray that our faith will be high, that we are going to lift up our heads. We're going to be in the Word. We're going to be in prayer and that you will walk us through whatever it is that's down the road. Whatever it is, you're going to walk us through and you're going to create miracles. You're going to work miracles on our behalf. You're going to work miracles through our businesses. You're going to work miracles in our families. You're going to work miracles in our private lives. God, you're going to work miracles in our neighborhoods and in our city, oh God. Do it, do it, do it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you just to move back into a little time of worship right now. And as we do this, I want you just to pour your heart out to God. Get your eyes on Him. Get your eyes on Him because that's what worship does. Worship gets your eyes upward. They get your eyes focused upward on God. 
and get your eyes off of the stuff that's going on around you. And that, my friend, is when miracles begin to happen. Let's worship Jesus for a few minutes. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.